Hope family, I would invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Today we start a, a long, by God's grace, 16th month journey in the 28 chapters uh, studying the book of Acts. Before we do, I just want to acknowledge uh, and honor some people on our staff. We've shared before uh, that we have a new staff uh, person joining our team uh, and that he joined this past week and I wanted to reintroduce to you Mihir Surkar. He's the director of integration and outreach. He'll be available at the end of the service up front. We'd love for you to introduce uh, yourselves to him. Can we just welcome Mihir to the team and our staff? And uh, very... Very excited that uh, Gala Maylet, our director of children's ministry, after being on maternity leave for 14 months, has now come back. Can we welcome Gala back as well? And uh, I want to specifically take time to thank and honor Jen Louie and her husband Alex, who have been, uh, Jen has been the director or interim director of children's ministry in the time that Jen has been uh, away. Uh, we put a lot of effort into organizing our children's ministry in the way that it is you many of you serve in it and you know that it's not just about child care we are discipling and raising our kids on uh, in partnership with parents to be lifelong followers of jesus i'm so thankful for jen and the time that she had leading uh the workers and directing the ministry so can we give thanks to jen for her time for the past year <laughs> praise god well, now, together, let's open our Bibles as we have to Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. As we shared last week in our study on the Lord's Prayer, I've asked the elders and the staff to pray this year for our church that we would be people who are empowered by God's Spirit and devoted to prayer. Uh, that's my prayer for our church during this uh, year. And that by being a people who are empowered by his spirit and devoted to prayer, we, by God's grace, would become bold witnesses for the name of Jesus in the world around us. And loving and merciful neighbors caring to the people around us. If you are a Christian, God has called you out from this world to follow Christ. But I think in the church, many of us really only understand half of what it actually means to be a Christian. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not only called out of this world to be with Christ, but you're also sent back into this world to be a witness for Christ. But I think sometimes we often miss the second half. Why do we gather together here like we do on Sunday? We gather together to glorify God, but also to reorient ourselves on the mission that we're sent and called to engage in when we go back into the world. Why does a coach call his team together in the intermission of a hockey game? Three periods, two intermissions. What are they doing in the locker room in the intermissions? Oh, man. It's really annoying being around those people with red shirts. Uh, I'm really glad that we can be only around blue-shirted people. Whew, I'm finally at home. Now, when, when a team gets into the locker room during the intermission, they're regathering together to re-energize and reorient themselves at the game plan so they can return to the game to win. 
you are a follower of Jesus, yes, you have been called out of this world to follow Christ, but you are also sent back into this world as a witness for Christ. The book of Acts is a book about the witness of the church to the world. And in the beginning of this journey that we're going on, we're going to see in Acts 1, verse 1 to 11, how Jesus prepares his people to be his witnesses. We're going to see three ways that Jesus prepares his people to be his witnesses. And here's the good news. Christian God wants to use you, but he's not looking for the elite influencer. He's not looking for the one with the best communication persuasive skills. Acts 1 verse 1 to 11 is going to teach us that Jesus prepares simple people to be his supernatural witnesses for the kingdom of God. And he wants to use you. So let's stand together as we do to honor God as we read his word. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 11. This is God's word. It speaks to us today and this is what it says. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when they had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray now together. Our Father in heaven, I recognize that your son, Jesus, is king of all the earth. He is enthroned at your right hand, and he rules over the hearts of all those who believe in him today. Your son is my king, and I praise you, Father, that there will be a day that you have fixed when you will send the king back to earth, and he will establish his worldwide visible kingdom, and all will see his authority. And you will make all things new. And it is humbling that such a king would, in his own mysterious plan, decide that he would use such meager servants like us to be his ambassadors. People who were once enemies, speaking against you, would be used to speak for you. God, would you use us? In Jesus' name, amen. God uses simple people to be his supernatural witnesses for the kingdom. T- today we're going to learn from this passage that Jesus prepares us in three ways to be these type of witnesses. Before we jump into these three ways, it's important to step back and ask, what are we jumping into? What is the book of Acts and why was it written? 
Well, historically, this book is called the Acts of the Apostles. It follows the 12 or the 11 followers of Jesus and the early disciples and the spread of the gospel across the Roman Empire. It's the second volume of a two-volume set of early Christian history about the life of Jesus in the early church written by a man named Luke, who was a physician who was discipled by the Apostle Paul himself. And Luke was commissioned and financed by this um, rich guy, Theophilus. He paid him to be able to write this two-volume set. And Luke's motivation in writing it was he wanted everyone who had heard the v- verbally the teaching about Jesus to have um, historically historically valid eyewitness accounts that what they had verbally been taught is historically true. So Acts particularly shows how Christians can join into the mission of Christ as witnesses for the gospel, just as the first Christians did. God uses simple people to be supernatural witnesses. So the beginning of this mission, Jesus prepares his witnesses. Three ways. And the first way is with the evidence they need for their witness. Jesus got his apostles ready for this role by preparing them with evidence they needed for their witness. Look at verse one, or, uh, verse 3 again with me. It says, He presented himself to them alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So over 40 days, Jesus would appear and reappear and come and go as he pleased to present his physical body towards them, to stand before them and say, you once saw me dead, but look at me, touch me, eat with me. I am now alive. And he did this, presented himself alive to be able to tell them and prove to them that his resurrection is the evidence that the promised kingdom of God had now come. As we learned last week, the kingdom is God's authority, the realm of his authority. And it's through the kingdom and its king Jesus that God is going to restore the brokenness of this world and make all things new. Today, now, the kingdom exists invisibly over the hearts of all those who have believed in Jesus. Are you a citizen of God's kingdom? One day, though, when Christ returns, as he promised, his kingdom will be visible and worldwide. And the evidence that Jesus is the king is that he rose from the dead as he promised he would. And Jesus wanted his disciples to get this, to to know these proofs of his resurrection so that they could have courage to be witnesses. Only weeks beforehand, these simple men had actually abandoned Jesus and denied that they ever even knew him after he was arrested by the Roman soldiers and they were afraid of the religious authorities, so they left. But in a few days after this, these simple men would be supernatural witnesses who were not running scared from religious authorities, but standing up, chin up, in the eyes of those same religious authorities, defying them to their face and preaching about the name of Jesus when they were told not to. How could they be so dramatically changed from running scared to standing firm? 
because they saw the proof that Jesus was alive. And now they had a reason to speak. These 40 days transformed their uh, doubts into faith, their fear into joy, their confusion into confidence. And you can be changed this way too. The historical validity of the resurrection is proof positive evidence and our certain assurance that the promised kingdom of God has come. He is making all things new. He can make you new. And if you are a follower of Christ, you're a witness to that kingdom. Jesus gives us the evidence for their witness. So we need to get trained in the truth. God uses simple people to be his supernatural witnesses. You don't need a special education to be a witness. You don't need to learn a certain three-part method to share about Jesus. But what you do need to know, you need to be trained in the truth of what you believe. You need to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have when someone asks. So let's say someone does today. You go out and you meet some friends and they ask you, what would you do today? And you said, I went to church. Really? You went out? to church early in the morning, even though there's freezing rain, why would you do that? Would you be able to give a reason for why you believe in Jesus? At a basic level, we should be trained in three aspects of the truth of our faith and the resurrection. Number one, you need to be able to give, get trained to give witness to what the gospel has done for you. As witnesses, we are calling others to believe in Jesus. But how can we sincerely tell others to believe if we can't sincerely say why we believe? What, can you share what life was like before you believed? Can you share why you believe and what life is like now? Get trained to give witness to what the gospel has done for you. Also, get trained to give witness to why they need the gospel just like you. Because you could tell them, like, here's why I believe, and their response could be just like, that's nice for you. But to each their own. I've got my truth, you've got your truth. Would you be able to respond to that? The good news is that you've got a good trainer in the Holy Spirit who's given us the training manual of the Word of God. And if you want to know how you can share to other people why they need the gospel too, Get trained by reading Romans chapter 1 to 3. Romans chapter 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul clearly lays out an honest argument why all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but how anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Get trained to give witness to why they need the gospel. And then third, get trained to give witness to the historical proof of the resurrection. How do we know Jesus rose from the dead? The good news is that we have in the scriptures, the four gospels, historically accurate eyewitness accounts of what happened. It's not fiction. Real people in real places at a real moment of time that saw an event that changed all of time. Roman soldiers who were skilled in execution saw Jesus on the cross, shoved a spear into his side, up through his gut, into his heart, and confirmed he was dead. One of Jesus' followers, Joseph of Arimathea, 
bought a tomb and got permission by Pontius Pilate to acquire the corpse of Christ. He wrapped him in a shroud and together with the Pharisee Nicodemus and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary of Magdalene, the four of them saw the corpse in the shroud placed into the tomb. And then the Jewish authorities asked Pilate to commission two Roman soldiers to roll a stone over the tomb and stand guard because they didn't want anyone to, like, steal the body. So they thought two soldiers trained like elite Navy SEALs would be easy enough to be able to plow over 12, like, fishermen who followed Jesus. And the punishment for a Roman soldier abandoning their post was death. Three days later, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene show back at the tomb. And what do they find? The soldiers are gone. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. And the once mangled corpse is now a walking man who allows them to see the scars in his hand and the holes in his side, and they know he is alive. The king has come, and the kingdom is here. The certainty of the resurrection. They saw it with their own eyes, and it turned these simple men into supernatural witnesses for the kingdom of God, and through the Holy Spirit, these men and the women with them together turned the entire Roman Empire upside down. And all of Western civilization is built on the foundation of the proclamation of the apostles teaching the good news of the kingdom of God. God uses simple people to proclaim supernatural truth. So get trained in the truth. But being prepared to give witness is more about more than just about knowing the right information. The power for our witness it, that we want to see isn't just see people convinced of an argument. We want to see souls restored back to their creator. We want to see the spiritually dead made alive. And my information sharing isn't sufficient to do that. The power needed is only from God himself. So not only did Jesus prepare them with evidence for their witness, but he also empowered them for their witness. Jesus prepared his disciples with empowerment. Look at verse 4 to 8 with me. It says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed with his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's a witness? Think about any uh law-themed TV show you've ever seen. A witness testifies to the truth that they've seen and heard. And for the Christian, the power of their witness isn't in themselves. It comes through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promised that his followers would be baptized with the Spirit. What does that mean? To be baptized with the Spirit. 
In context, it means two things. Number one, it means that the Holy Spirit would use these disciples to continue the same work that Jesus began. Do you know when Jesus' preaching ministry began? It was when he was baptized by John. When Jesus was baptized by John, that commenced his preaching ministry where he preached the message of the kingdom of God. And when he was baptized, everyone around him saw the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and rest on Christ. Now, where we are in Acts, Christ's earthly ministry was done. And he was returning to heaven. But as Christ was returning to heaven, because his earthly ministry was complete, the spirit of Christ would remain with his disciples to continue the work that Christ began. The Holy Spirit would use these disciples to continue the work that Jesus began. Secondly, to be baptized in the spirit means that they were fully immersed with the presence of God. This is a remarkable gift that you have, Christian. The presence of God God with us is the most treasured promise and most desired need that any human could have, that any human could want. In the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the presence of God dwelt on earth in one specific geographical location, in the temple in Jerusalem, in a room called the Holy of Holies. And it was only accessible by one man once a year. But when Jesus died, the curtain that separated that room, the Holy of Holies, from everyone else, and separated everyone from it, that pre God's presence, that curtain was torn in two. And now, anyone who believes in Jesus, they are a temple. You are a temple. And God's presence fully dwells in you. You know, hearing this, that they would be baptized in the Spirit, would have given them a lot of courage. But then Jesus tells them where they're going to go, and that might have provided them a bit of fear. Because usually when we hear about the idea of them going in power to Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria, we think about the geographical progression. Jerusalem is the center, Judea and Samaria expand out a little bit more, and to the uttermost ends of the earth is beyond that, kind of like Markham, York Region, Ontario, and Canada and the world. And that's true. The witness of the gospel should spread across the world from here where we are. But when the disciples heard that, that might have caused them a little confusion because they had already been to most of those places with very little success. Wait a sec, Jerusalem? We were just there, and you were just teaching, and they despise you so much they killed you. You want us to go back to there? Judea. We were already there and they rejected us. Samaria? N no self-respecting Jew sets their feet on the same ground where Samaritans walk. You want us to go there? You want us to leave the nation of Israel and go to the, to the Gentiles? To the non-Jewish people? At least we believe there's one God. They worship like hundreds of gods. Like they have no respect for our God. Yeah, Jesus wanted them to go there. And that's where God wants us to go. 
to the places where Jesus is so hated that people lose their, lose their lives, to the places where people's hearts, hearts are so hard that you don't think they'd ever believe in Jesus, but you need to go there too, to the places where you would never want to go because you don't like those people. Jesus is calling them to go to all those places, but not in their power. The work that began with Christ is continuing in power by the Holy Spirit. And since you've been given the power of God, Christian, in the baptism of the Spirit, go speak with boldness. Boldness is fearless courage. Would you say that that's what you have when you tell others about Jesus? Let's step back, step back a little bit first and just ask, do you even have the courage to say anything to anyone about Jesus? I think we need to understand a little bit about what it means to be bold. Boldness doesn't mean brashness. A lot of evangelists and Christians can be thought of as our world as brash. But there's a difference. We're supposed to be bold. A bold witness is able to get their message through like a home cook who keeps his knives sharp. So whatever he's cooking with, he can easily cut straight through without much effort. Whether it's vegetables or meat or bread, the knife is sharp enough that the cook doesn't need to exert too much energy to get it through. A, a brash witness is like that cook that doesn't even care. Next, sharpen my knives. I just need to cut through. Get a chainsaw for all I care. True boldness means speaking four things. The Apostle Paul taught this in the way that he said he ought to speak. True boldness means speaking courageously, clearly, yet also gently, and respectfully. The power to see souls restored to God is not from our persuasiveness. It's from the indwelling Holy Spirit. God uses simple people to be supernatural witnesses. So why do we stay silent? I can think of a couple reasons why I stay silent. Well, why I choose to don't not tell people about Jesus when opportunities are clearly there. And I wonder if you experience the same things as me. I think many of us can choose to be silent because we have big fears and small faith. We're afraid of what other people will think. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid that people are going to shame us. But we don't have faith to believe that what Jesus said in Matthew, 11, uh, Matthew 5 verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of uh, e evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. May God increase your faith. Believe that the Holy Spirit is with you. Believe that even if you're rejected, you're rewarded by God. Believe and be bold. Be bold with your classmates. Be bold with your coworkers. Be bold with your spouse. Be bold with your unsaved family. 
Be bold with your kids. We have big fears and small faith. Also, we've got weak love and strong lusts. We've got a weak love for God, but a strong lust for sin and the world. How could we ever tell people to love God if we love the world more than God? That might be a reason why you're staying silent. And I know you, you're looking for happiness and you're looking for joy, but friends, you're looking for it in the wrong place. Looking for happiness in the love of the world is like looking for sweetness for your soul, but kind of like a little kid sticking his bare hand into a beehive. You're going to get stung. When there's sweetness for your soul in Christ and in his love for you, not in the lust for the world, but sin stings us. It stings us with shame. It stings us with fear. No wonder you're not telling people about God. Repent of your lust from the world and turn to the one who loved you first. We've got big fears and small faith. We've got weak love and strong lusts. We've got shallow friendships and deep prejudices. Some of you stay silent because you, you just like to be around people who look like you and talk like you and act like you. And you intentionally avoid any, anyone else. And that's missing the gospel huge. That's missing the kingdom huge. The kingdom is going to have citizens from every tribe, every tongue. It doesn't matter their area code. doesn't matter their nationality. doesn't matter their accent. doesn't matter the food they eat. But some of us stay silent because we've got deep prejudices against others. Christ welcomed all, and we should welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. I'm like you, though. I can be tempted to be silent. But when I remember that God is with me, when I remember that God has welcomed me, when I remember that God loves me, when I remember that God rewards when I speak about him, that stirs up in me boldness. We can be discouraged. We can be afraid. The good news is that Jesus also prepares us to fight against those fears. See, not, not only does he prepare us with the evidence for our witness and the empowerment for our witness, but Jesus also prepares us with encouragement for our witness. Look at verse 9 to 11 with me. After he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus ascended into heaven. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The disciples are young men, and man, these boys have been through a lot over the past 40 plus days. When Jesus arrested, they were scared like little children and scattered. 
when Jesus rose from the dead at first, like, they didn't believe. And they were distressed and worried. And some of them even, like, ran away. But now they, they, they see him in high highs and low lows. Their emotions are everywhere. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to that yourself. I think these young men might have been feeling what other young men sometimes feel around the time they graduate university. The high highs and the low lows. Think of a young man who's about to finish his fourth year of university. He has no idea what's happening in the summer, but he knows he's got finals in the spring. And if he doesn't make the grade, he might not be walking down the aisle. So he is, he is stressed out, and he is fearful, and, and he has sleepless nights, but he works hard, takes the uh, exams, marks come back in, and he, he makes the grade. He's going to graduate. And that fear turns into this excited optimism. He reluctantly buys that gown that he's only going to buy once, and wears that hat that he feels like he looks goofy in, but he's excited because he finally is going to graduate. And he gets together with his friends, and he walks the aisle, and he gets that piece of paper that cost $80,000 plus. And he goes out to parties, and he celebrates with his friends, but then when he's all alone, he puts his gown back into the closet, and all he's got left is that $80,000 piece of paper. And no job prospects. And he's just staring into it, wondering what's next. That's kind of like what these disciples are like. Fear, joy, you'll be my witnesses. Bye. What's next? Just like there were two angels at the tomb when Jesus was risen from the dead, so there were two angels here when Jesus arose into heaven. And God sends these angels to graciously snap them out of their dazed delusionment, and they hear a promise. This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. They were looking for a royal coronation. They, they were asking, is the kingdom going to come now? And Jesus promised to them, when the kingdom comes, I'm going to be on the center throne, and all 12 of you, you'll have your own thrones beside me. So they're like, hey, Jesus, where's my throne? But the angels tell them, it's, it's not yet. The kingdom you're looking for is coming, but it's not yet fully established. So go be his witness. Church, it's time for us to stop looking around in a dazed delusionment and start looking outward with hope. If you've believed in Jesus Christ, you have been made new. You are a new creation, and you are being renewed day by day. And there will be a day when Christ makes all things new. He's renewing you and your heart and your spirit now, but one day the whole world and the brokenness of the creation, all the injustice, all of the brokenness will be made right because sin and death will be abolished. But right now, the injustice and the pain and the sin is still here. Right now our world is suffering in hopelessness. Can you feel it? 
think a lot of people kind of felt it this morning when they that got that fake uh, emergency alarm that there might be a nuclear meltdown. But I, I see it in other ways in the news. I, I see the brokenness and the hopelessness when when there's fires ravaging through an entire continent and people are losing their homes en masse and species are just being extinct. I, I see it when planes are carrying Canadian citizens are accidentally shot down out of the sky. I see it in that our, our mental health is continually going down and down and down and down, even though our prosperity is going up and up and up and up. And our world seals, seems hopeless. Can you feel it? Do you have a reason for hope? Christ is risen from the dead. The kingdom is here. You are made new and are being made new. And you have the message the world needs. Stop looking up in a dazed delusionment and start looking out with hope. You have the message that the world needs. And you have the presence and the power to be able to proclaim it. But maybe you are here and you feel hopeless today. Maybe you personally feel the guilt and the shame of your own sin. Maybe you know you're f oh, far from God. Maybe you know, feel like you're decaying away. I'm not made new. There's good news for your friend. The message of the kingdom is that Jesus died for your sins. Jesus, so that you could have life. Jesus suffered for your sins so that you could be saved. He was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. The pain that you feel and the brokenness of the world is because we have been, our souls have been separated from the God who created us. But by faith in Jesus, you can be restored and his presence can be with you. And you can be made new and have hope. Turn away from following this path that keeps leading you away from God. Admit that you're the one that deserved the death that Christ died. But believe that he died for you. Believe that he died for you. And in that faith, in a moment, you will be forgiven. You will have life. You will be accepted. You will be made new. You will be called out of the world to be a follower of Christ. And you will be sent back into this world as a witness for Christ. God prepares simple people to be his supernatural witnesses. Are you ready for this job? It doesn't matter if you're a pastor with a pulpit or a parent at home. It doesn't matter if you're retired or in school, an artist or an engineer. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, making bank, or unemployed. God takes the has-beens. God takes the rejects to do his job and participate in his work. Think about these 11 men who were there this day with Jesus. Do you remember what their job was before they started following him? Three of them actually worked in the same business. Peter, James, and John. Do you remember what their job was? They were fishermen. And they worked in their dad's business. Do you know what type of people worked in the family business in the first century? Guys who didn't make it. In first century Israel, most young boys were put on this trajectory to try and be accepted by a prestigious rabbi and go into religious school. But 
if you didn't make it, you went back to the family business. These guys were the guys who didn't make it. These guys were the has-beens and the rejects. And God used them to turn the entire Roman Empire upside down. And he can certainly use you. God uses simple people to be supernatural witnesses. So church, it's time to get trained in the truth. Get some teeth to your faith and stop walking around in a toothless Christianity. Know why we have the confidence we do in Christ. Get trained in the truth. Go speak in power. With boldness. Not because of who you are with a brash attitude, but in the boldness of God's presence with you, believing the promise that he rewards you. Get trained in the truth. Go speak in power. And look out with hope. Because Christ is coming back. And we have a message the world desperately needs. God help us to be the witnesses that he's called us to be. Would you stand with me as we pray now? Father, help me. Help me, Lord God. Your son is the light of the world. And your son said to his followers that they are uh, like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. They're like a lamp that's lifted up that gives light to the room. And we need to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Oh God, I confess that I'm afraid a lot. But Lord, I thank you that you've allowed me to live in this city with these neighbors that I have. And Lord God, I pray that you would give me the bold courage of this Holy Spirit. God, this week, I pray that you would open up opportunities for witnessing Christ in our daily lives. I pray that you would today. God, I pray that you would give open up doors so that when we go out into the world, we would clearly see opportunities tell about Jesus and God I pray that you would give the boldness and the courage to us to take it and Lord as we share the gospel would more people turn to Jesus and be saved would more people turn and become citizens of the kingdom and have hope in you would more people worship you who are not worshiping you today and this is God I know this is why we do what we do I thank you that we can do what we do because we are calling more people to believe on you and worship you, Lord God. You are deserving of the highest worship. You are deserving of the most praise. So thank you that we can invite more people into your kingdom to celebrate the king. Help us to be trained in the truth. Help us to be speak in boldness. And help us to look out with hope, knowing that Jesus is coming back. Help us, God.